Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host today. And I have a really good friend with me, and her name is Rebecca Kiesling. She was raised in Detroit by her parents, Larry and Gail Wasser, who actually raised her and her adopted brother. So I'm looking forward to having her share a little bit about the beginnings of life for her and um, maybe how her birth mother dealt with all of that. Welcome. So glad to have you with us, Rebecca. Thanks so much. Yeah, I was adopted and raised in a suburb of Detroit by a Jewish family and wanted to learn my roots and uh, went on a journey to find my birth mother. And how did that go? Did you find her? Yeah, when I was 18, I got my non-identifying information and I had all sorts of details about her, everything but her name, of course. And that's when I learned that I was conceived in rape. And then I was 19 when um, I actually got to meet her because she wanted to meet me. Tell me what went on there. Where did you meet her and, and what was it like? It was really ended up being like meeting a stranger because for an adoptee, this person is kind of like an iconic figure. You know, you just imagine for so long. And then it, it was a little awkward when we first met, but um, had, had a wonderful reunion weekend with her. And met my half-brother years later, met my half-sister. I got to meet a bunch of family members. She had a huge family reunion for me. But when I went back to college, I, I went to a few meetings of Students for Life, and I got up the courage to ask her about abortion. Because she had told me, like, the horrible details of how she was abducted at knife point by a serial rapist and just brutally raped. She had also been raped by her grandfather growing up. So, you know, she's she's had a tough life. But when I asked her about abortion, she told me that she would have aborted me if it had been legal, even if she had to do it all over again. And she said it should have been my right. Wow, that's really sad because she can see who you are and she can celebrate what you're doing in these incredible work that you're doing and, and the accomplishments. So how sad to look at that and say, I really, I really, if I'd had that chance, I would have aborted you. Yeah. And to say, I should have been able to abort you, like saying, you know, you should be dead right now. Mm-hmm. And she maintained that position for the next six years, but she did change her mind. And so now decades later, She's actually really thankful that she had me, and she's so glad that abortion was illegal and that we were both protected and spared the horror of abortion. And that's something our listener needs to hear, because if we haven't experienced a situation of abortion or if we haven't experienced a situation of having to have a child and sent away with another family, we don't know the pain that goes along with it. And I think that what you're saying is 
there's a lot of pain that your mom had to deal with in terms of uh, rape, and all of those issues are probably reasons for why people want to have an abortion or just convenience. I mean, I know that's a big deal, whether it's convenience, but the reality is you are ending the life of a child that may bless you tremendously. Interestingly, the only two studies ever done on this show that rape victims have an abortion rate that's half of the average unplanned pregnancy. Most people think that when it comes to rape, that 90, 95% would have an abortion. And it's really the opposite. For decades nationwide and unplanned pregnancies, over 50% abort. But for rape victims, it's between 15 to 25%. Half choose to parent and then 25% choose adoption. Nationwide in unplanned pregnancies, again, your average unplanned pregnancy, only 1% choose an adoption. So interestingly, these rape victims are choosing adoption instead of abortion. You know, they don't want more violence in their body where they've already been traumatized. That's an amazing connection. I had not thought about that. So my birth mother didn't really represent the average rape victim who becomes pregnant. There are some, you know, like her, who will think like abortion. And there's many in my organization, Save the One. We have a global network of almost 2,000 now who were conceived in rape and mothers who became pregnant by rape, who regret aborting after rape. And many will express um, those who ended up having the child that they initially did contemplate abortion. And then they changed their minds. They felt like that they had, their child was a co-victim along with them, that they had another little angel to keep them company during their time of healing. That's very interesting. I I think that's something that our listener is really appreciative of you sharing such intimate things that we're talking about here that you were involved in. Well, and my birth mother tried to kill me at two illegal abortions. And I was almost aborted, but backed out because it was illegal. So I was born July 22nd, 1969 in Wayne, Michigan. That's um, in the same county as, as Detroit. And the law protected me here in Michigan. Michigan, until last year... I had a law on two laws on the books. One was 1846 from the time of the founding of Michigan. Abortion was always illegal. And it talked about whether there was a quick fetus, right? And then the law was changed to update because they began to know more about fetal development. And so 1931, there was a complete abortion ban and no exceptions. And both of those laws were on the books even after Roe v. Wade. And there was a Michigan Supreme Court case shortly after Roe v. Wade, which said that that law is still valid and it's not unconstitutional. You know, it just can't be enforced to the extent that Roe conflicts with it. So any sorts of illegal abortions that were 
you know, didn't go against Roe. There, there are other types of illegal abortions, you know, like if it was a non-physician, and that was a case where there was a non-physician being prosecuted under the 1931 law. Um, it said that it, it was still in full force and effect, and that's until the Democrats in my state repealed it last year. And some liberal judges who also found that it was unconstitutional, that there was a right to an abortion under the Constitution. And then our state constitution got amended in November. So it was bad, bad, bad on every level here in Michigan. And I think several states are being forced to give up the rights of that child. They're really thinking about the rights of the woman, the rights for her to determine whether that child can be born or not. And, you know, it just is heartbreaking when you think God, God watches this. He gives us the gift of life. He places it in the safest place that could be. And then we tear that apart. That's what abortion is. And there are so many people that are wanting to adopt, and uh, there's no excuse other than the fact that a woman either doesn't want to admit that she's pregnant, it'll cause some problems with perhaps her husband or her family, or she's just not willing to go the nine months. It really could, really that child would survive well after eight months. So I don't know. I've just, I'm, I'm so sad about all of that. I ask people, you know, because you talked about what abortion is, and and when people are not sure about the rape exception, whether there, you know, should be a rape exception or not, I'll ask people, would you support a law in the Me Too day and age that would authorize any woman who says she was raped to just say rape, and then it would be lawful for her to pay someone to kill her rapist, her alleged rapist, or just her innocent child. Because that's what abortion is. You're paying to have someone killed. From my perspective, someone who was almost killed, they are paid assassins. They're hired hitmen. You're paying to have someone else killed. And can you imagine if someone had suggested to legalize that in cases of rape, that you could pay someone to kill your rapist. I mean, people would be like outraged. Like, are you kidding me? What? What about the right to due process? What about, um, you know, your right to trial, your right to an attorney, you know? And, and even still, even still, the U.S. Supreme Court in Coker versus Georgia said that rapists don't deserve the death penalty. And I'm from Michigan where we've never had the death penalty, you know, at all. So I'm, I'm not advocating for the death penalty. But interestingly, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court said rapists don't deserve the death penalty. And in the second case of Kennedy v. Louisiana, they said that even for child molesters, it's cruel and unusual punishment. So how did I, as an innocent child, serve the death penalty? That's amazing. That's a great look at it to say the person who's going to be punished here is the innocent child. We're going to take a quick break. This has gone so fast. I'm just really grateful to have you with us, Rebecca. And we're going to come right back in a minute right here at Choose Life Radio. Labor Day separates the summer from the fall. I don't mean the weather in August is hot and after Labor Day it's cold. (laughs) My point is, during August, 
Even through those first couple of days in September, we think summer. But when Labor Day arrives, we begin thinking fall. There are even certain rules, if you will, about colors and dress. And almost every woman listening to me knows what I'm talking about. After Labor Day, we think fall. Trees changing colors, leaves dropping, barbecues replaced by warming fires in backyard fire pits, and a crispness in the air. High school footballs fill the air on Friday nights with nearly every other day of the week featuring a college or professional game, and life takes on a familiar structure that we haven't seen since last May. Throughout the summer and into the fall, Choose Life Radio has provided in-depth interviews with men and women who recognize the value of human life, and they know sharing their stories helps others make life-affirming decisions. You're an important part of this ministry for life. You know lives are being changed. We love and appreciate your listening each week and praying with us that lives will be impacted by God the Creator. Choose Life Radio is a labor of love. Our expenses consist of creating, recording, and airing these life-changing interviews. And today, we really need your help. Will you help underwrite this ministry with a generous gift? Your gift today of $50, $100, $250, even $1,000 would be just amazing to keep Choose Life Radio on your local station and favorite podcast platform. You can give right now by going online at chooseliferadio.com. And while you're there, take a moment and consider making today's gift a monthly gift. The prompts will help you do that. Or, of course, you can mail your check to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio, 44735. May the Lord bless you richly as you give and encourage others to celebrate the sanctity of human life with us. Thank you. We look forward to hearing from you today. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and our visitor today is Rebecca Kiesling. She's got a powerful story. If you missed the first half of this interview, please go back and listen to it on chooseliferadio.com when we place it there in our podcasts. But if you're hearing this now and you missed any of it, you've got to go back and catch that. Rebecca, you have been very, very forthcoming in the first half of our topic here. I'd love to hear more about what you have experienced and what you are doing to make people be aware of what abortion is and what a gift of life is in our hands. I'm an attorney, and I speak nationally, internationally. I've been speaking since 1995. You know, of course, I feel a sense of purpose. I feel like my life was spared for a reason, you know, not just to be like selfishly live my life and like, oh, well, too bad for the rest. You know, I I was spared for a purpose to go back and save others. I first became active, like I said, students for life while in college and then my local pregnancy center. And now I speak for pregnancy center fundraisers all over the country I speak for Right to Life events, like in all kinds of pro-life personhood events all over the country, all over the world. I've spoken in parliaments all over North America, Latin America, and Europe. I 
study different languages just to be able to speak in those nations. Like I'm going to be going back to Brazil again this year and I'll be speaking in Argentina next year. And so you're learning languages so that when you can go, you can speak some of the language for them? You know, this is incredible. This, by the way, listener, is someone that was up for abortion, someone who was considered to be aborted. We are realizing that we have lost so much treasure in our nation by allowing abortion to be legal. And I just had to throw that in. Uh, you just, I'm so amazed by who you are and what you can do. Oh, I appreciate that. I was a Toastmaster for a number of years, too. And I, I wanted to be a lawyer since I was 10. And in undergrad, I took as many public speaking and even acting classes, you know, persuasive communications, like anything that could, I, I had to lead role in two college plays because my plan was that I was going to be a lawyer and I figured that to be a good lawyer, you should be a good speaker, you should be comfortable being up on your feet in front of people. But God's plan was that I was going to be a speaker, you know, because that is, you know, primarily what I do. Although I, I do litigate, you know, I've litigated numerous high profile cases, defending human life and also terminating parental rights of rapists. I specialize in that, the Rape Survivor Child Custody Act. I was behind that. With uh, We started with a small group of us and got it passed uh, federally. And then now all over the nation, half the states have passed the Rape Survivor Child Custody Act. So I've done like a, a lot of interesting stuff, but primarily I'm, I'm, I'm a speaker. And interestingly, my birth mother said that at the time that she was pregnant with me, she said there were no pregnancy resource centers back then, but if there had been, she would have gone. But she said that she wasn't offered any other help or hope, just abortion. Um, there's been one film that was made about the Back Alley Network before Roe v. Wade, and it's called Back Alley Detroit. I could see the men who were going to take my life. She, there were two back alley abortions where she was to meet with them and, and went to one of them and the other, she backed out the, at the last minute um, because of the way that this abortion doctor spoke to her. So I literally owe my birth to the law, which protected me, but I could have been saved if there had been pregnancy centers back then. Like she acknowledges that. So it's important for people to know like why they're at a fundraiser, that this is not just a theoretical exercise that, you know, maybe we might save babies, but, you know, there'll be women in their communities who will one day be able to say to their children, like my birth mother said to me, I'm so glad I had you, you know, because of the work of, various pro-life ministries and, and donors who support them. And that's what it's all about. We're, we're all here for a purpose and not to just selflessly live our lives, but to save others. And that's so important. Uh, we talk about this all the time on Choose Life Radio, that centers need your support. They need you to come in and be willing counselors or learn how to help uh, women who come in or just be there to help with the things that they need, the clothing and 
the formula and all those things that they're going to need, those centers are free. You will never have to pay for anything. And yet you will get all sorts of people who will love you, who will pray with you, who will commend you as you go along. And I think that's one of the things that we need as women when we're pregnant. We need somebody to say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Oh, I remember that feeling. Uh, Yeah, this is a rough time. I hope you get over it. Whatever those issues are, typically someone who has been raped doesn't have someone on her side telling her how wonderful she is and what she's doing is giving life giving life, and a life that God gave. Every child is God's creation. In many respects, you know, it's the, it's the people at the pregnancy resource centers who are the true feminists because they actually empower women and tell women, that I believe in you, you can have this baby. Because when women go in, they, you know, so often they say, I just can't have this baby right now. They think they can't. And when told by someone who genuinely cares about them, you can, that is empowering and empowers them to be able to have this child. It's life-giving. It's life-changing. As you have gone into law, I mean, I I bet your adoptive mother and father are thrilled with looking at your accomplishments. You're obviously a brilliant woman, and you're a beautiful woman. And so what are you doing with yourself here right now? Well, I didn't have a fairy tale childhood. I'll just say that. They were actually very abusive. And that doesn't, you know, negate the value of my life. And there, were, there was good and bad in our household. They, you know, they were Jewish and they valued education. They sent me to five years of Hebrew school. I learned about God. Although, like, I didn't know where I fit into God's plan because my classmates reminded me that I wasn't really one of God's chosen and I was called names. And, but then, I, you know, I came to know Christ and I came to know my value, identity, and purpose in God's family and where I fit in. And my dad changed his mind about abortion when he learned how I was conceived. He instantly changed at um, when I was 18. And then kind of things got weird. He he ended up with a mistress and just became verbally abusive again and manipulative. And it just kind of deteriorated. And my adoptive mother passed away. Anyhow, my birth mother and her husband legally adopted me. Because I I needed peace of mind that there's no way my dad and his mistress, who was also a married woman, that there's no way they could raise my children. Yeah, so it's like, oh, you had a perfect childhood, good for you. Like, eh, that's not my story. It's not my life. But still, my life has value. And I'm so thankful that I was protected. You know, I wasn't lucky. I was protected. There were people who cared enough to protect me. And I deserved that protection, but so do others. Rebecca, you gave a great comment in one of the things that I read about you. You said, one of the greatest things I've learned is that the rapist is not my creator, as some people would have me believe. My value and identity are not established as a product of rape, but as a child of God out of Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. I just want to go back to that verse. Why is that verse in your message? 
you know, if you're conceived in rape, it's definitely an identity crisis. And um, there's so much scripture that, that has spoken to me, really, that, you know, though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Um, the father to the fatherless is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. There's that story in Ezekiel 16, you know, the child who's, you know, left at the side of the road and forsaken and, and says, your mother was a Hittite, your father, an Amorite. Nobody cared about you. You were On the day you were born, you were despised. You still had your cord attached. You were laying there in your blood. And it says, God saw you. And he said, and I said, live. Wow. I mean, that, that God cares. He sees the most forsaken. It's not like the Bible glazes over it, that there's not children who have been forsaken. It recognizes those truths, but it, it says you still have value. And in the times when women were giving their baby for tribute to be killed and thrown into the fire, uh, this is something that's gone on for a long, long time in our world. And imagine God looking at that and saying, you don't offer up your first child to be killed. I've already done that. Jesus is going to be my firstborn, and you're going to end up killing him, and he will take to the cross all of our sins. A lot of people, you know, don't connect that. Like, you know, they think if somebody conceived in rape is, is worthless, you know, or somebody who wasn't planned, like you're worthless. The truth is for all of us, we're priceless because you just look to the cross. That's the infinite price that was paid for your life. Everyone who's listening, you are priceless. You're worthy. You're worthy of love and life. Wow, what a great ending to our day today. And we're going to bring you back, if you don't mind. I'd love to talk to you again next week right here at Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.